Jesus said, And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. From Luke chapter 4, verse 24, verse 49, In the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Can I just go off the cuff for a minute up front and kind of clear the spiritual air? Sometimes it just seems like the spiritual air needs to be cleared. And, and just say that, that um, my deepest desire is, is transformation for myself, for the people of God. And, and everything that we're saying in this sermon series is, is with the hope of, of, of transformation. And I think this message in particular this morning has, has had a lot of charge uh, around it for me personally as I've thought through it, as I've, I've prayed through it, as, as I've prepared to preach it, um, because it's, in, it's intensely personal. I think sometimes for all of us, myself included, we can, we can view these things as things God did over there back then for those people, right? And, and we're comfortable with that, and rightly so in a sense, because God actually did those things over there back then for those people. But he's not dead, right? And, and we're not here to memorialize what he did back then. We're here to experience it with the hope that it would transform us in our lives in, in this day and age as well. And I think as the message unfolds, you'll see more plainly what I'm talking about. But, but I, I guess in a sense, I just want to give away the farm right up front to, to just say if you, if you take anything away from the message this morning, what I hope you'll, you'll take away is the presence and the power of God. I hope you'll take away the presence and the power of God. And, and let me begin by saying I think, I think we all know power when we see it, right? Whether it's a, a political movement or a social movement, an athlete, uh, an athletic team, um, maybe uh, a car engine if you're, a, if you're an automobile fan. We all know power when we see it. And, and the effect of, of power is that it can excite us, right? It can, it can energize us. Power can move us. Power changes things. Even things like governments and, and nations, even the world. <coughs> But I have to pose this question, and it's a self-reflective question as much as anything else. I hope you hear that as I say it. Do we recognize spiritual power in this world? Do we recognize spiritual power? What would spiritual power look like if we saw it? And most importantly, perhaps, what would that spiritual power do? Right? What effect would it have what, what purpose would it serve? And, and if you notice this morning, all three of the readings that we read, all three of them speak of spiritual power. Did you notice that? All three of the readings. The first reading said that we, that means you and me, not just over there back then and those guys, right? We will receive power from on high when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that's spiritual power. The second reading declared this to us, 
St. Paul said that there is an immeasurable greatness of God's power. An immeasurable greatness of God's power. And then he goes on to say, that power is working within us who believe. I hope you're opening your hearts and your spiritual minds to contemplate the reality of what these scriptures are saying to us. That we will receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And that that power is immeasurable. It's immeasurable working in us who believe. And finally, in in Luke's Gospel, the Gospel reading for this morning, Jesus says to His disciples, Go into the holy city Jerusalem and wait. Go into the holy city Jerusalem and wait, and there you will receive power from on high. So God has inspired us to preach this sermon series called Preparing for Pentecost, the the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The person, of course, is the third member of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The presence is what we've been discussing the last few weeks. How the Holy Spirit loves us in the wonderful message that Father Mark preached. How the Holy Spirit offers this, this, this equipment, these, these charisms, these gifts that we're going to talk about next week, this, this armor, to do the work of ministry. And friends, that's good news. That's good news. But so far, that's all it is, right? It's news that happens to be good. And the point I'm making here is that it's good information But information without transformation is something like me telling you this. I've got this really amazing hot rod car sitting in my garage. Well, I know I don't. But follow the analogy. Okay, I drive a 2007 Honda Accord. Far from a hot rod. But pretend that I did. Right? Pretend that I had it. And the keys are on the counter in the kitchen but you're not allowed to drive it, right? That's information without transformation. It's something like that. That's a lot of good information, but if you can't get in that car and drive it and experience the power of it, what what good is it to you, right? That's information without transformation. So again, I submit to you the example of the disciples. What moved them from fear to faith, right? What changed them from cowardice to courageous. How did they go, and and it's remarkable, it's like a good line from a movie, it's remarkable every time I say it, how did they go from 12 to 120 to 3,000 to 5,000 to far and away the largest movement in the world today, which is called Christianity? How did they do it in the face of certain persecution and death. How did that possibly happen? Right? So I want to spend the rest of my time this morning talking about spiritual power. What is this spiritual power that God gives us? What are the dynamics of it? What are the principles of it? And what is its purpose? Why would God give it to us? And what does He have in mind for us in giving it to us? So first, the dynamics of spiritual power. Spiritual power is two things. It's it's internal and it's individual, right? It's internal and it's individual. And spiritual power is external and communal. And let me give these to you very succinctly and briefly. 
When we say it's internal and individual, we're saying this. The first change that God wants to make is a change in you and a change in me individually. Internally, God is working in us by His Spirit to change us from death to life, or as the Scriptures say elsewhere, from glory into glory. That's the internal and personal work of the power of the Holy Spirit is to bring us from death to life. You hear me preach about this pretty regularly. St. Paul in Galatians talks about a war between the spirit of the flesh and the flesh. That the two are opposed to one another, they're contrary to one another, they're in conflict with one another. The things of the flesh are contrary to the things of the spirit, and the things of the spirit are contrary to the things of the flesh. They are against each other and opposed to one another. So in other words, if all we have is information and we don't have transformation, then we'll be something like this to continue the analogy. We'll be something like a person who's actually given the keys to that hot rod, but when they go to start the engine, click, nothing happens, right? Because the engine that's supposed to be roaring inside of us has been corrupted and corroded and compromised to the point where it doesn't work anymore. So there we are in this beautiful, potentially powerful hot rod sitting in the garage doing absolutely nothing except pretending, right? It simply will not work without spiritual power that works in us personally and individually. Can I say this to you? We, we can go anywhere in this world and hang out with good people. Right? We can go anywhere in this world and we can hang out with good people. But the reason people go to church boils down to this. People go to church hoping that God will meet them there. That's why we go to church. We go to church hoping that God is going to show up, that He's going to manifest His love to us, that He will change us, and that He will move us in the direction that He wants us to go. And, and if that's not why you go to church, see me after the service, we'll talk. Right? That's why we go to church, because we believe that God is going to show up here He's going to love us. He's going to meet us in our place of need. He's going to change us. And we're going to walk out that door better off than we were before we came in. Amen? That's why we're in church. So that as we see the power of God and we're transformed by the power of God, it's going to look something like this. When we take the keys off the kitchen counter and we go into the garage and we crank the engine in that hot rod, and it starts to go, and we, and we back it out of the driveway, and we take it out onto the street, and we start to move it out onto the highway, and we feel the energy and the power of the engine unleashed, right? And we're on the freeway with all of these other cars. Everybody's going to look at us, and they're going to say, I want that car, right? That, that's... That's why I would drive a hot rod. I don't know why y'all would drive a hot rod, but I would drive a hot rod so that everybody would say, dang, man, that guy's got the car, and I want it. Right? I want to have the biggest, baddest engine in town if I'm going to sit in a hot rod. And I don't even want to hear your engine. 
That's the power of God working in us individually. And when that happens, right, it becomes external and it becomes communal. And you can't help but notice it. You can't help but notice it when it's out on the street. It's sitting next to the 2007 Accord at the traffic light, and that Accord's going, oh, i got nothing. I'm not even going to look over at that guy because he's going to blow me off the line. I want that car, right? That's what the power of God working in us individually and particularly looks like when it's manifest in the world. It becomes external, it becomes communal, and people want it. So these are the dynamics of the spiritual power. Now I want to talk about the principles of this power. How do we access? Are you interested in knowing how we access this power in our lives, this spiritual power, this very real thing that God is doing in the world? We're talking about it more extensively on Wednesday, and that's the setup for my hope that you'll come the last two weeks. Will you come the last two weeks? Thank you. Jesus said... Hear this so carefully, please. Do y'all care if I go a little longer than 15 minutes? Is that okay? <laughs> Jesus told his... All right, good. Thank you. Jesus, Jesus told his disciples, listen, these were the people who loved him and wanted to serve him, and he said to them, go into the holy city and wait there until you receive power from on high. Did you catch that? You go and you stay there and you wait until God does what God's going to do. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about obedience. I'm talking here about obedience. Simple faithful, constant obedience to Jesus that if He says go, guess what I'm going to do? Go. There. Stay. I feel like a little bit like a dog. <laughs> Wait until this power comes upon you. Go there. Stay. Wait until God does what He wants to do. And my friends, obedience is as simple and as difficult as this. It is asking ourselves every moment of every day, is this what God wants me to do? I'm the first to stand up and tell you that I fail miserably. Is this what God wants me to do? Does God want me to? And you fill in the blank. Right? Does God want me to? What's the blank that you need to fill in right now? That's, you don't have to tell me, but we do have to contemplate it. And, and here, I want to do something just a little bit different than, than maybe what I've done in the past. I, I don't want to tell you what to stop doing. I want to suggest to you what we might start doing. Because it works this way. When, when we are consistently and constantly living in the presence of God then the power of God comes all over us and we'll begin to know exactly what to do, right? When we consistently and persistently seek out and pursue the presence of God, then the power of God comes all over us and we'll know exactly what we're supposed to do. 
So we might start reading the Bible on a daily basis. We might attend church more regularly. We might attend a Bible study or go on a mission trip. Obedience, obedience, my brothers and sisters, is the key. It's the central aspect of living in the presence of God, knowing the person of God, that we might access the power of God. If Jesus tells us to do it, then do it. If Jesus says, don't do it, then don't. And here's a thought. If we don't know the difference, then that ought to tell us exactly where we are and might indicate to us what we ought to think about doing, right? If we can't figure out the difference between the things that Jesus is telling us to be about and not be about, then, then do not pass go, do not collect $200, go directly to the Word of God there and wait until the power shows up by experiencing the presence of God, right? That's the dynamic that's going on here. And so finally, what's the purpose of this spiritual power that God wants to give us? What's, what's, it, what's it all for? What's it, what's it all about? The answer is at once, again, remarkably simple and incredibly profound. Simply put, God wants to change you. And God wants to change me. God wants to change you and He wants to change me. And together, we're supposed to change the world. Like, that's, that's really supposed to happen when we're changed individually and internally, we're supposed to get about the business, as Acts 1.8 says, you'll receive power from on high and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and even unto the ends of the earth. Right? You will be my witnesses. The central purpose, the exclusive purpose of the power of God is that we become witnesses of Jesus Christ here out there, and even unto the ends of the earth. You see, the goal of our being here is that we would actually drive the car, right? And that the world would feel its thunderous effects. They may not want the car, but they can't help notice the car and how awesomely powerful it is when it's out there working like it's supposed to in the world. And the hope within Christianity is they would see it's so awesome that they would start to want it for themselves, even if they're not fully sure what it is. That's, that's an effective, powerful, Christian, Holy Spirit-driven Christian witness in the world. My friends, surely we must be aware that we're living in a post-Christian America. Surely we must be aware that our culture, by and large, is no longer held captive to Christ. And I would just suggest evidences in our political realm. I would suggest evidences in our cultural realm. Think about the issue of human sexuality alone that we're dealing with right now and how disconnected we are, so much so from God's design for us that we've completely lost track of what His desire for us is according to the way that He designed us. And, and those, are just, those are just two examples of the battles that we're engaged in in our culture right now in America. And friends, this is, it has to be said, evidence of another kind of power at work in the world. The world, the flesh, and the devil. 
These are the powers at work of the world and the flesh and the devil that would not just try to compromise the truth of the Christian witness, but they would seek to destroy it and eliminate it altogether. Still with me? So I ask again, what does the power of God look like? Would we know it if we saw it? And in the end, it looks like this. God actually wants to use you and He wants to use me, and He wants to use us together to collectively work miracles in this world. His miracles by His power. His operative will working through our cooperative obedience. And again, let's be honest, my friends. Before the Holy Spirit came upon them, the disciples were afraid, and they were cowards. And after the Holy Spirit came upon them, you couldn't stop them. They stood before the men who crucified Christ, and they said, ask yourself this. Ask yourself this. Is it right to obey you or is it right to obey God? Do you, do you put us on trial today for healing a man in the name of Jesus Christ? Then let me tell you something. There is no other name in heaven and earth by which men must be saved than the name of Jesus. That's the powerful witness of the apostolic church. They obeyed and they stepped out in faith. They had no idea what it was going to look like but they wanted to be obedient and they wanted to be faithful, so they had to step out in faith and exercise, right? Start the engine. So that when Peter preached at Pentecost, 3,000 people were converted on that day. They repented, they got baptized, and they called on the name of Jesus. And it keeps going, and it keeps going right up today, right up to you and me. We're confronted with it right now in this divine moment, aren't we? The power of God, simply put, comes from being in the presence of God. So I'll extend the invitation. Come the next two Wednesday nights to finish our Bible study. I don't care if you haven't been yet. Come the next two weeks. We'll be talking about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts next Wednesday. And then the Wednesday after that, we'll have a time of ministry where we can come here and wait and see what God wants to do. And I want to just close with this excerpt from C.S. Lewis taken from the silver chair. We've been reading it on Wednesday nights. Those of you who've been there will know it. And I just, does this sound like you? Does, does this sound anything like you? Somewhere in your spirit, does this idea that I'm about to put out for you resonate with you? Are you not thirsty, said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I, could I, would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and by a very low growl, and as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. Does that sound anything like our relationship with God sometimes? The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic, Will you promise not to do anything to me if I come? I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had come a step nearer. Do you eat girls, she said? I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. And it didn't say this as if it were boasting, nor as if it were sorry, or as if it were angry. It just said it. 
I daren't come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming even a step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream. There is no other stream.